The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. This is your tech news briefing for Monday, January 30th. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Glitzy events, free gifts and sign-up bonuses, high salaries for brand ambassadors, and of course, stability. Those were the promises and perks the crypto exchange FTX made in Africa. But following its collapse, FTX's African customers and employees are, like those in other parts of the world, left wondering if they will ever see their money again. On today's show, our Johannesburg-based reporter Alexandra Wexler joins us. She'll explain the tactics FTX used to grow quickly in countries across Africa and the impact its collapse is having. That's after these headlines. We report exclusively that China's top nuclear weapons research institute has bought sophisticated computer chips made by U.S. companies such as Intel and NVIDIA, despite decades-old restrictions on such sales. A Wall Street Journal review of procurement documents found that the state-run China Academy of Engineering Physics, or CAEP, has managed to obtain the semiconductors at least a dozen times in the past two and a half years. The chips are widely used in data centers and personal computers and were acquired from resellers in China. The CAEP was one of the first Chinese institutions put on the U.S. blacklist in the 90s. It was set up to prevent the use of any U.S. products in atomic weapons research by foreign powers. The CAEP didn't respond to requests for comment. It'll be a busy week for tech earnings. Apple, Amazon, Meta, and Alphabet are all among the companies reporting. The tech sector is navigating an environment where growth has cooled. Analysts will also be watching these companies for signs of how other sectors of the economy are faring. Amazon, for example, will provide insight into the health of online shopping, while Google parent Alphabet should provide color on the digital advertising market. Israel's tech sector is warning against planned changes to the country's judicial system. Industry members say the overhaul is spooking investors who are concerned about economic stability, the independence of the courts, and a right-wing legislative agenda. Last week, a large Israeli software company said it would move its money out of the country, and the general partner of two venture capital firms said funding raised in the future could be kept abroad. Israel's tech sector accounts for 15 percent of the country's gross domestic product and around half of its exports. The judicial changes planned are being pushed by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his right-wing governing coalition. They would give the government control over which judges are appointed, allow a simple majority of lawmakers to override decisions by the Supreme Court, and limit which cases the court can hear. And does it feel like every app on your phone is constantly sending you a notification? Well, you're not alone. And our personal tech columnist, Nicole Nguyen, set out to figure out how to change her relationship with notifications. She's with me now to talk about it. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Zoe. Nicole, if I want to do more than just stick my phone on Do Not Disturb or leave it in another room, is there a way to make sure that I'm just not overwhelmed with constant notifications? One feature on iPhones that has transformed my relationship with my phone recently is called Scheduled Summary. 
it batches a bunch of your notifications and delivers it to you at the times that you specify, and it only batches the notifications that you specify. So this is stuff that's not urgent, like shared photo album additions or things like social media likes or new followers, that kind of thing. And scheduled summary is something that exists on iPhones, but is there an equivalent for Androids? Android doesn't have an exactly similar feature, but it does have the ability to deliver notifications silently, which means that these notifications won't light up your phone or cause it to vibrate, but it will end up in your notification shade. When you're talking to experts about what kind of notifications we should be receiving, did they have any advice? Because it seems like everything just wants to send me an update these days. So true, every app is trying to lure you back into it and push notifications are a great way to do that. Max Dossel, who's part of the Center of Humane Tech, he gave me some great advice, which is nuke all of the notifications from your phone that don't come from a human. So these are text messages or calls, for example, but not Yelp. And doing that really forced me to rethink the kinds of alerts that I really did need in my life. How do you start if you want to go through a cleanse of your notifications? If it seems overwhelming to go into settings and notifications and have to toggle all of the apps that you think you don't need off, you can also take an ad hoc approach. On iOS, if you very gently swipe left on app push alerts that you did not want, then you can turn them off forever. And if you keep on doing that, then you'll eventually eliminate all of the apps that you don't want to be bothered by. All right, some helpful advice from our personal tech columnist, Nicole Nguyen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. All right, coming up, customers in Africa were looking for currency stability. But when FTX collapsed, it caused many of them to lose their savings. We'll discuss the crypto exchange's rise and fall in Africa. That's after the break. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. The collapse of cryptocurrency exchange FTX was swift and has left a lot of casualties. Among them is a large group of African customers. In the days before FTX's implosion, before it froze customer accounts and eventually filed for bankruptcy, it was heavily recruiting Africans to invest on the platform. It lured customers in Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, South Africa, and other countries across the continent. Now, as FTX goes through bankruptcy in the U.S. and the company's new management tries to locate customer funds, many of those people don't know if they'll ever see their money again. Joining me to discuss this is our Johannesburg-based reporter, Alexandra Wexler. Hi, Alexandra. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So to start with, why was FTX recruiting customers in Africa? 
it's a really fast growing market for cryptocurrencies. A lot of these exchanges position themselves as a safe haven to store money, much like a traditional bank against tumbling local currencies and oftentimes runaway inflation in a lot of these markets. What were some of the tactics that FTX used to attract customers on the African continent? So they used a lot of marketing. They had events that people would speak at who were experts or self-proclaimed experts in cryptocurrency markets, where they would educate people about cryptocurrency, how to invest in cryptocurrency, and also how to use the FTX app. And then they had a lot of these, what they called ambassadors, oftentimes university students. They were campus ambassadors who would host events at their universities. And if they had a certain number of people attend, FTX would pay them and FTX would sponsor things like refreshments and marketing materials to try to attract people to these events. And oftentimes they would also have giveaways attached. So merchandise was a big thing. So FTX hats or FTX t-shirts. And then if you signed up for an FTX account, then there were often some kind of sign up bonus. So $5, maybe more that could be used towards trading fees. You know, apart from crypto just being popular in Africa. Was there something particularly appealing about FTX or about crypto in this moment before the FTX collapse? Yes, absolutely. So because of runaway inflation worldwide, a lot of African currencies have been doing really poorly, especially against the dollar. So one of the main selling points for FTX and for cryptocurrency at this exact moment, kind of over the last year, has been that you can store your money in US dollars in stable coins. So you can store your Naira or your Ghanaian Sadies or your Kenyan shillings in stable coins, which could be US dollar denominated or other currencies. So you were able to actually store your money not in these local currencies. Was there a difference in these investors compared with, say, U.S. or European investors? Yes. So the African investors used FTX and crypto much more as you would a traditional bank account. So to store your money in a safe place, in a safe currency. And then also they use crypto a lot more for day-to-day transactions. Alexandra, you spoke with some of these people who were FTX investors, who were brand ambassadors for them. Can you tell us some of their stories? One person that I spoke to um, was Muhammad Sabu, who's 27, and he started working for FTX in August, so relatively recently. He was trading crypto for a living because he thought that he could make more money doing that than at the job he had previously. And so he got involved with FTX. He answered some questions on an official FTX telegram group in Hausa, which is a language widely spoken in northern Nigeria. And so they hired him as an ambassador and he was paid $800 a month plus $200 for marketing materials to educate people about FTX and cryptocurrency and get people to sign up for accounts and trade on the platform. He lost about $2,000 he had in FTX when it filed for bankruptcy, which was money that he 
was due to transfer for the balance of payment for a piece of land in his hometown where he wanted to open up a blockchain school to teach people in his hometown and the area more about cryptocurrency trading. So he's ended up with just one third of the property because that was the down payment that he'd made before FTX imploded. So now basically his plans for his blockchain school are on hold. He's back to earning maybe $100 a month instead of a thousand, which is a, a big difference, especially because he has a one-year-old son. So he's, you know, kind of back to square one and also, you know, feeling very badly about having so many of his neighbors and community members sign up for this platform and also lose money on it. What's the general feeling then from FTX investors in Africa who seem to at the moment have lost their funds? Yeah, you know, it seems to be a relatively common thread that they obviously are kind of flabbergasted that this happened and disappointed because a lot of them really believed in the Sam Bankman-Fried message of altruism and kind of I don't know if you can say saving the world through cryptocurrency. A lot of them really bought into that idea. But as a general rule, they also seem to still be into cryptocurrency and they still want to invest in it and they want to own it and they want to use it to further kind of their own financial plans. So yeah, I think that despite the fact that a lot of people lost money or have money stuck with FTX, I haven't talked to one person who said that it had turned them off of crypto. Have FTX or Sam Bankman-Fried commented on its Africa business or the customers there? So Sam Bankman-Fried said via a spokesman that one of his biggest regrets is letting down the customers and employees of FTX and FTX, the company hasn't said anything specifically about the African customers. All right. That's our reporter, Alexandra Wexler. Alexandra, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. And that's it for today's tech news briefing. If you want more tech stories, check out our website, wsj.com. And if you like the show, please rate and review it. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.